Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you would like to get involved or simply want to learn more about one of our many ministries, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Do you see the honor that's been bestowed upon you? Do you have any idea what Jesus did when he chose you and said that you could be his voice in the earth? Christ was the anointed one. And he passed on that anointing. And so when I call myself a Christian, I am telling myself every day, I walk in the anointing of Jesus Christ. Am I a believer? You better believe it. Am I a follower of Christ? You can, I guarantee you, I'm a follower of Christ. But I'm more than that. I'm an anointed, chosen vessel of God called to bring him glory and honor and praise and to acknowledge him before the whole earth. When someone talks about the church, what do they mean? Is it the brick-and-mortar buildings we pile into on Sunday mornings to worship and fellowship? Or is it something more? The Bible tells us that we are the church. Today, more than any other time in history, the world needs to see the church in action. It needs to see us being a part of the solution to today's problems. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his series on being a part of the problem or a part of the solution by focusing on what it means to be the church. I want to go and talk to you about the church being the church. And the question that I asked last week is very simple. Are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? Hmm. Too many times we're part of the problem. You know what problem people are? People that complain. People that, people that have this negative attitude. They like to bite, they like to backbite and gossip. And they want to talk about things. And if nothing's going wrong, they're not happy. You ever met anybody that just thrived in drama? Woo! I am not one of those people, okay? So if you thrive in drama, just take your drama to Jesus and see what he has to say about it. Amen? So I want to know, are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? If you're part of the church, turn to your neighbor. I'm part of the church. And say, I'm part of the church then you were chosen, and I use that word specifically, you were chosen to be part of the solution. And again, if you're part of the problem, you need to take that act and bring it to the cross and become part of the solution. Because that's what God has called you to do. He's called us to fulfill our calling as the church, and we must ask what we can give what we can give, not what we can get. You know, one of the things that happens is the church is luring people in by this attitude of I can get something from God. But God has already given you the very, very best that he has. He's given you his son. He's given you eternal life. He's given you a, an entrance into the throne room of God. He's given you the gifts, of the, the spiritual gifts, every spiritual gift. He has blessed you beyond measure. And if you're going to mark your blessings by the things that are temporal, then you're not probably going to be a very happy person because temporal things are just that. 
They are temporal. And what God has given you is eternal. And if we're going to take hold of eternal things, then we have to take hold of the idea that I have been put here. I have been chosen to be part of the solution. I have been chosen to act according to the scriptures. I have been chosen to impart life and not death. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a life giver. Amen. And so the focus then comes off of what's going to happen, what's going in this for me, and to, to becomes what is the will of God and what is God doing in the earth. And it's a pretty simple thing. He tells us God's will is that none should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And so we sit back and we pray, Holy Ghost, move on people. Holy Ghost, move on people. You want me to testify. You want me to witness. You want me to bless people. You want me to give. Lord, you know my financial position. I have my credit cards run up to the hill. I can't afford to give anything away anymore. Don't look at me so holy. The Father is looking for a church. When I say a church, I'm not talking about Southside Christian Fellowship. I'm not talking about the Baptist church. I'm talking about a church. I'm talking about the church. He's looking for the church to stand in agreement with the Son. Pray and stand in the full manifestation of the kingdom on earth. You see, we've been told partial truths and not the whole truth. Our focus for years has been on salvation and not on the kingdom. We don't really understand the kingdom. We think that's just good terminology. And it becomes part of Christianese because there's no revelation as to what the kingdom is. And so because we don't understand, we substitute the gospel of salvation for the gospel of the kingdom. And let me, let me tell you the difference. In the gospel of the kingdom, salvation is a part of it, but it is not the totality of the gospel of the kingdom. Am I making sense to you? Okay, so you've got, this, you've got this subset called salvation that fits into the gospel of the kingdom. Y'all look like you've lost me. Okay, so we've got this subset that fits into that. And so what Jesus came to do was to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And as part of the kingdom, Jesus came to reverse the curse that came when man fell in the garden. Or as Guy Chevreau said, God came, Jesus came to heal the deal. He came to heal the brokenhearted, the wounded, those that, those that have been stomped on, cast aside, told they're worthless, told they're no good. Jesus said, I'll take those. He said, I will not cast out a, a broken reed or a smoking flax, a smoking candle. He said, I'll not, get, I'll not cast any of those aside. I want to bring them unto me because in me they will become whole. In me, they become valuable. In me, they become the, the instrument of life in the earth. See, I don't think we 
take hold of this idea of life and death as, as hard as, should, as we should and as powerfully as we should. So if I'm come to be a part of the solution, I have to ask myself, how do I do that? Ask your neighbor, how do I become part of the solution? Okay, I'm waiting on an answer. No, I'm not. I'm just teasing you. All right, let me, let me just lay it out to you as, as succinctly as I know how. Jesus came to save us. Woo, say amen. amen. How many of you saved? How many of you know Jesus Christ? You know why? Because Jesus came to save us. If you don't believe in miracles, just look at yourself. It's a miracle that you could get saved. Some of you understood that. <laughs> Amen. All right, Jesus came to save us. Then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Now let me tell you what. He didn't send the Holy Ghost to empower us so that we could do tricks. Back in the 60s, there was a, 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 a song or a play that came out called Jesus Christ Superstar. It was a, a, a very, very sacrilegious. There you go. That's a good word. Thank you. I was going to say demeaning, but it was sacrilegious. And, but in this, in this thing, not that I saw the whole thing. I just listened to the record, unfortunately. In this thing, he comes before, I think is it Agrippa? King Agrippa. And King Agrippa in this song said, show me something you can do. He said, if you're Jesus, walk across my swimming pool. Can I tell you, that's what a lot of people want to see Jesus do right now are tricks. My God's not a dog and pony show. He's not come and sent the Holy Spirit to do tricks. My God sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower me that I could be a conduit of life and that I could change the things in the earth. Amen. I believe that's who I am. Why? Not because I have any strength in myself, but because the Holy Spirit inside of me is the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to grab hold of this idea. So I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus gave gifts to the church. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers to equip us to do what? To do the work of ministry. What is the work of ministry? It's to do the same thing Jesus came to do. You need to know how to do what Jesus did. When we make it all about salvation and not about doing the things that Jesus did, we miss the gospel of the kingdom. Does that mean I'm not going to heaven? No, sir, but you don't get the benefits of being part of the kingdom. And being part of the kingdom is the most exciting part of the Christian life. I've got to be honest with you. Everything else about the Christian life is boring. Oh, don't look at me so holy. You see, until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, until you begin to operate in this understanding of who you are, man, prayer is a problem, not a pleasure. When I get filled with the Holy Spirit, prayer becomes pleasurable. It becomes enjoyable. I can't hardly wait to go to the throne room of God, and it begins to take a priority in my life. Why? Because I like it. I'm not condemning anybody, but if you're condemned, maybe there's something wrong. I'm really not condemning anybody. And so he's called us to empower us. He's called us and fill us to give us, to manifest his glory in the earth. Oh my goodness. 
Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Dang straight you are, but when you put that I'm just on part of it, you negate what Jesus did and the gifts that he gave unto us. You begin to declare something that Jesus never declared over you. You're declaring a falsehood. You're declaring what the enemy has declared. Can I, can I, let me just run a rabbit trail if it's all right with you. You know, the, the world has got this thing so far out of context, and we believe them. You know, the world believes that, that Satan rules over hell. They talk about the partying that's going to go on over in hell. They're talking about all this stuff that came out of hell. Hell is an abyss for the Satan and the demonic angels to go and to be tortured forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He does not rule over. He is chained forevermore. So all this stuff about exalting Satan in his position, he's not even the ruler over the earth. He is the prince of the power of the air. That means he's nothing but hot breath. It's when we listen that we empower him. Now let me give you a spiritual inversion of that. When we listen to the Holy Spirit, we begin to release not what the enemy lies about, we begin to release the truth of Jesus Christ. And there's power in truth. There's power to set people free. There's power to see people delivered. There's power to see the manifestation of the kingdom on the earth. There is a power, a boatload of power, and there's an explosion in our hearts when we come into the presence of Jesus. Jesus said he would not return until the gospel of the kingdom, turn to your neighbor and say gospel of the kingdom, was preached to every nation. I was listening to somebody the other day, and I don't know whether it was actually in a class or on radio or television, I just can't recall, and they said they didn't know where all the gospel had been preached. Can I tell you, the gospel that's been preached is the gospel of salvation without accompanying manifestation. When Jesus speaks about the dynamics of the kingdom, he said you will see the rule and the authority of Jesus made manifest. Not only the salvation, but the signs, wonders, and miracles will be made manifest because glory has come in contact with that that's temporary and the temporary has to give way to that that's eternal and that that's eternal is an explosion of setting people free and calling them to life. Am I making sense to y'all today? I don't, want to go, I don't want to go too fast, too deep. I just want you to understand that the gospel of the kingdom is a power gospel. If you remember the apostle Paul who was eloquent, he goes to a place called Mars Hill. And he goes and they got statues to all these gods and they've got all these orators that are, that are expanding, expanding or expounding upon all of the, the, the characteristics of each one of these gods. But they've got one that's the unknown God. And so Paul begins to tell them that this unknown God that they're talking about is Jesus. And it's said that, that he debated with these men 
And he, he brought forth the intellectual perspectives of, of why Jesus should be turned to. And he said there were only a few that got saved. And so when the next time we read about Paul, Paul said, I have determined to preach nothing but the cross of Christ. And I will not come in anything but power. Wow. When there's not power in the church, something's missing. The gospel of the kingdom is inclusive of power. You see in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. What will be preached? The gospel of the kingdom. Now in Mark, there's the great commission. He lays out the great commission. He says, go into all the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, go. go. Into all the world and and, and uh and proclaim the gospel of the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Be nice if he just stopped right there, but he didn't, did he? No, he did not. And these and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They shall pick up serpents and with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And so all of a sudden he says, you're going to preach the gospel of salvation with signs, wonders, and miracles. That's why the whole earth is going to be engaged in what Jesus is doing. Well, when's he going to do that? Well, he's been doing it since the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. It's the church that has pulled away from the power aspect. And so the only thing we're looking for out of, ch out of church is to go to heaven, not go to hell. And that's not until you die. And if that's all God intended, I just assume he killed me when he saved me. I'm telling you straight up. If my life is not going to count towards helping other people and ministering to other people and doing what God has called me to do, I don't have a life. That's the only true life I have. And I do a lot of things and I enjoy a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you what, the only thing that really counts, the only thing that really matters is if I'm able to touch somebody. Why do you think I get so excited when I'm praying over these waitresses and these, these people and these things? I get excited because they've had a touch of Jesus. They have experienced something that they didn't understand. They don't even know why. There's a little girl right now that, that uh, at, a, at a Chinese restaurant, she told us her entire life story and she cannot figure out why she told it. Why did she tell it? Because Jesus wanted to heal it. Not because I needed the gossip. Not because our table needed the, to understand what was going on. Jesus said, I'm, I'm, I put you in a place where you can be healed. Now she's not taking advantage of it. That's okay, we won't push. We've just told her what Jesus can do. Can you imagine people knowing that Jesus could touch you and not coming to get that touch? I can. I've seen them by the thousands. I want my fire insurance. That's all I'm interested in. 
How many of you know about a man named Apollos? Apollos was an apostle. How many of you knew he was an apostle? If you came to my class, you'd know he was an apostle. <laughs> there were a lot of apostles in the New Testament. You need to go back and look that up. Just encourage you. Well, Paul, Apollos was one of those apostles. And Apollos had taken this trip. And I want to read this to you. I'm not going to take real, real long with this. But I want to read this out of the 19th chapter so that you hear it in the words of the Scripture, not in my words. Okay? And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, so where was Apollos? In Corinth. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found disciples. Whose disciples? They were the disciples of Apollos. Okay, so that you'll know who they are. These are the disciples that Apollos has, has worked with. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Could be some of our churches today. And so Paul asked the question, and he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, give God praise. You know why they got saved? They transferred their allegiance from John the Baptist to, to, to Jesus because Paul had told them about the Holy Spirit and he gave them the opportunity and they went and got baptized. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need to be baptized. Oh, most of you think you already have been baptized. That's all right. Let me go on. And I am just, I'm, I'm, I'll go back to that one day. Not today. 19.6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them. Now wait. What is, the, what is the chronology of this? They got saved when Paul laid their hands on them? It's not what the scripture says. Well, do I, does the Holy Spirit come and abide in me when I get saved? Turn to your neighbor and say, yes, he does. Yes, he does. But look what Paul says here. And he laid his hand on them. And the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So here Apollos had come under John's baptism. He had been looking for disciples. He had been training them in everything that he knew. He'd come into the baptism of repentance. He went back to start a church and 12 people was all he could come up with. That was all he could, he could get was 12 people. And so he, they, now Paul lays hands on them and they, it says they began to speak in tongues and began to prophesy. There were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God, about the power of God. So for three months, Paul goes into the synagogue with the religious people. That's where he was. Acts 19.9, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Speaking evil of the way, which is Christianity, before the congregations, he withdrew from them and he took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. 
This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia, say all the residents of Asia, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek, and God was doing extraordinary miracles at the hands of Paul. They were hearing about Jesus and they were witnessing extraordinary miracles. Have you ever wondered what an extraordinary miracle is? I thought the ones that Jesus performed were pretty, pretty cool. But the Bible says these were extraordinary. I didn't know there was such a thing as an ordinary miracle, just to be honest with you. But these are extraordinary. They're over and beyond. They are mouth dropping, jaw dropping. Oh my gosh, did you see what Jesus just did? And all of Asia hears about it. Twelve believers, and they became spiritual powerhouses after being filled with the Holy Spirit. They multiplied into a hundred, then five thousand, then tens of thousands. The church exploded in power. The temple of Diana was eventually emptied and destroyed. Ephesus became the Christian citadel known throughout the Roman world. Let me, let me explain how powerful that is. Diana was considered, the temple of Diana was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. You could not conduct business in Ephesus if you did not belong to the cult of Diana. There was no way because everybody had to go there, the craftsmen and everybody else. Diana had a stranglehold over the hearts and the minds of the people. She had taken hold, but Paul and these 12 people, and Apollos became back and became one of them, they began to take on what God had said. They began to move in power. That power began to explode in Ephesus. All of Asia heard about it, and what had once been the citadel of demonic worship now became the citadel of Christianity. We keep waiting for the government to change things. Nowhere in there did I read about Paul and the government, did you? Nowhere in there did I hear where Paul went to the Roman officials and said, would y'all please tear down that temple to Diana? Would y'all please? They're, they're hurting our feelings. Now let me blow you up with the power of the Holy Spirit and then you tell Jesus that you don't want him. Don't tell me. What is the power of the Holy Spirit? Man, the power of the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and unrighteousness. The power of the Holy Spirit delivers us out of the bondage. The power of the Holy Spirit takes shame and guilt and fear and anxiousness and all these other things. He takes it away. That's all well and fine, but you've got to believe that you're the instrument that God has chosen to bring change in the earth. You don't believe it, nobody else is going to believe it. I'm telling you straight up, he chose you. He chose you. You must see yourself as a Christian, not just a believer. You know, it's become very trendy now to say, I'm not a Christian. It's become trendy now to say, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of a Christ. Well, we don't want to offend anybody with that word Christian. Can I tell you, that word contains the word Christ. 
We get all upset because they want to call it Xmas or Happy Holidays. We get mad because Christmas, they're leaving Christ out of Christmas. Well, when you leave Christ out of being a Christian, you're no longer a Christian. Well, I'm a believer. So is Satan. Christ was the anointed one. And he passed on that anointing. And so when I call myself a Christian, I am telling myself every day, I walk in the anointing of Jesus Christ. Am I a believer? You better believe it. Am I a follower of Christ? You can, I guarantee you, I'm a follower of Christ. But I'm more than that. I'm an anointed, chosen vessel of God called to bring him glory and honor and praise and to acknowledge him before the whole earth. He chose me. How about you? Do you see the honor that's been bestowed upon you? Do you have any idea what Jesus did when he chose you and said that you could be his voice in the earth? <sighs> Let me read Luke 3.21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying... And the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, and you, I am well pleased. Was Jesus the Savior? The Bible does not record a miracle of Jesus until after the baptism of John. And it was at the baptism of John that the Holy Spirit descended. Not only did the Holy Spirit descend, it was at that point in time that God the Father said, Satan, this is the one you've been looking for. You see, it was what took place after the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through the dove that he became the manifest kingdom of God on the earth. Until then, he was just Savior. Let me just take this and then I'll stop because I think I'm going way out of the realm. If Herod had killed Jesus as a baby, the blood of Jesus would have still saved you. He was born Messiah. He was born that his blood would cleanse. But when he got filled with the Holy Spirit and descended upon him like a dove, he manifested the kingdom in power and in glory. And he said, I have brought glory to the Father. Now, Father, glorify me. Ooh, it means he didn't take the glory. He gave all glory through the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the feeding of the thousands, the healing of the sick, the casting out of demons. It was all because the Holy Spirit had come upon them. Now, maybe you're satisfied. I'm not. I'm not. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. I want to see him move. And the evidence 
of seeing the Holy Spirit move is broken people being healed, dead people being evangelized and brought to life. It is the eyes of those that can't see Christ now being able to see Christ. It is the power of God emanating from His church. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, and He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.